Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. We thank you, Father God, for your presence among us this evening. And as we study your holy written word, we ask that you give us ears to hear it, hearts to receive it, and minds that are open to it. Change us by what we hear from glory to glory that we might conform to the image of Christ our Lord and become that for which he shed his precious blood and sacrificed his wonderful life. We thank you, dear Father God, for all that is said, all that is done, that you might be glorified thereby. And we'll praise you, dear Father God, for all the things that take place within and through our lives. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Praise God. So I titled my message this evening, Elevate. And that was what was laid upon my heart. And experiencing more of God isn't something that happens just because we want it to happen. You realize that? It happens because we do what is necessary. We do our part in cooperating with God so that it can happen. It's just like if you wanted to lose weight. Anybody here ever had that challenge where you wanted to lose some weight? How many of you know that it doesn't happen just because you want it to happen? Now, if you wanted it to happen and you didn't have any appetite, it'd be one thing. But in order for it to happen, isn't there something we have to do? Isn't there a part we have to play in it? Yes. And we won't go into detail along that line, but I just remember one time I was just saying to one of my sons, I said, you know what? Well, I'd just like to shed about five pounds right around here, you know. And as I was saying that, I had a piece of pizza and a Coke in my hand. And he just looked at me and said, okay, (laughs) I don't know why I just can't shake off these pounds. Well, (laughs) look at what you're eating. Well, anyhow, if we want to experience a greater manifestation of the presence and power and the glory of God within our lives, then we've got to do our part. And that involves elevating certain things in our lives. To elevate means to raise up to a higher level of importance, to lift up to a higher position in our lives. So we want to talk about tonight some of the things that we need to lift up in order for God to, ex- to, to help us experience a higher level that he wants us to experience in him. So anybody prepared and wanting to experience a higher level of the presence, the power, the glory, and the might of God in your life? Amen. So there's certain things that we have to elevate. So number one, the first thing that really rose up within me is that we have to lift up our eyes or our focus. Our focus. Number one is our focus or our eyes. Look at Psalms 121 verses 1 and 2. And notice how he says this. I will lift up mine eyes. This is something that we do. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. These are two powerful, powerful statements. Why? Because it's easy for us to look at things as they are in the natural. It's easy for us to look at the wind, the waves, and the sea like Peter walking on the water. It's easy for us to look up and at other resources for help. But the psalmist here is saying, I will lift up my eyes. I will choose to be 
like Jehoshaphat, who was surrounded by three armies, which I call the devil, the world, and the flesh. Three armies, almost like a hopeless situation. It's all he can see is defeat. All he can see is destruction. They're coming their way. They're going to annihilate them. And what does he stop to do? I will lift up my eyes. He said, my eyes are on you. Do you see this company that's coming against me? I lift up my eyes. It's important that we recognize this is our part. We've got to get our eyes off the circumstance. Get our eyes off the situation. Get our eyes off of even lower means for help. Thank God for what man can do, but man can't do it all. We need to have our eyes, our attention, our focus on him and refocus and just say, you know what, Lord, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through, I want to rise up above this. My eyes are on you and you alone. And I know that you will bring me through to victory. Now, David knew there was some, something higher. Look at Psalm 61. Beginning at verse 1, we're going to read three verses. And this is from the English Standard Version of the Bible. To the choir master with stringed instruments, O David, hear my cry. O God of David, O hear my cry. O God, listen to my prayer. This is his cry. This is his prayer. From the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. There's a higher place. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. In other words, I want to go higher. I want you to lift me to a higher place. The rock he's referring to. Now, ancient Israel, they viewed that rock as being God's protection. A place of security. A refuge for them. This was their place where God would protect them. God would defend them. God would uphold them. God would help them. God would give them victory over all the enemy. But you know what? Here's what they didn't know. That rock that they're referring to is Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, look at verse 4, what it says. They didn't know this, but that rock was Christ. Among the other things in the prior verses, verse 4 says this. And they did all drink the same spiritual drink, speaking of the Israelites that came out of uh, Egypt and in the wilderness. For they drank of that spiritual rock that brought forth how many? 11 million gallons of water out of the rock every day that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Christ is the higher ground. Christ is the higher place. See, in Christ is where we have refuge. In Christ is where we have victory. In Christ is where we have security. And peace of mind. And so in other words, God wants us to get our eyes off the problem. Get our eyes off the circumstances. Get our eyes off the situation. Get our eyes even off where we're at right now. And say, there's a higher place that you have for me. And I want to walk in the light of that higher place. I want to walk in the victory that you've called me to. I do not want to be defeated in my life. I want to rise up and be victorious. Praise God. And then look at the book of Job. Chapter 22. This is what this whole walk is all about. Job said this. Not everything that he said was accurate, but this is pretty accurate. Acquaint now yourself with him. Number one. We need to get our eyes on him and see him as he truly is. 
for who he truly is. A God that loves us, a God who cares so much for us, a God who sent his son to die for us, a God who looks us at us and views us as being so valuable and so precious in his sight that he would do what he did for us in Christ. So acquaint yourself with him. In other words, get your eyes on him and get to see him and get to know him for who he truly is. Then agree with God. Agree with what his word declares to be true in our lives. Show yourself to be conformed, number three. Three things, three powerful things that he says here. Acquaint, agree, and conform to his will and be at peace. That's a place that's high above all the adversity, is it not? That's a place of serenity. That's a place where there's no turmoil. Victorious over all that the enemy brings our way, over all worry, all doubt, all fear, and all those things. And what will happen? By that you shall prosper and great good not just good great good shall come to you anybody want great good to come to you get to know God he's saying intimately and personally agree with what he says in the word because what he says in the word is going to run cross grain with the way we think but he said agree with him get your eyes on him get to know him agree with him and then conform to his will great good will come to you. You'll be at peace and great good will come into your life. Now, number two, we are to elevate our thinking. Elevate our thinking. We know the verse that says in the book of Proverbs, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You know, the, the physical, I should say the spiritual part of man has already been provided for. Have you been born again? If you're born again, your spirit man's been recreated by the hand of God, right? And we know man's a tripart being, spirit, soul, and body. He is a spirit. He has a soul. He lives in a body. His spirit's been born again, and thank God we have the life of God in us. The body is going to be provided for. One day it's going to be glorified. Is it not? One day the spirit and soul is going to just depart and exit this body and go be with the Lord. The body is going to go to the dust of the earth and wait for what? Glorification. So it will be in a glorified state. So there's provision for the spirit of man. There's provision for the body of man. But now the soul of man, the mind, will, emotions, and intellect, which is why we're here tonight, is something that we need to renew. Our thinking has got to be elevated to a higher way of thinking. Why? Because God's word says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways and my thoughts higher than your ways and your thoughts. We have no idea as to how God created the heavens and the earth and seeing all that in them is, even though man thinks he can figure it out, but he can't figure it out. I'm telling you, God knows things that man does not know. Jesus proved that when he walked on water. How do you walk on water? Think about it. How do you get a fish to bring money to you? Well, we can figure that one out. Wouldn't that be great? You know how much money's out there in the oceans around the world? Amen. How about this one? He can feed 5,000 with a lunch and then have 12 baskets left over. My goodness. I know the scripture says he was Jewish, but sometimes I think he might have been Italian. All that bread left over and all that stuff, you know, because Italians, you know what, you know what we do, man. We make sure that there's enough and more than enough and all that. Wow. Praise God. Oh, we have to elevate our thinking because God's thinking is so above our thinking. Look at the book of Colossians chapter 3. 
We need to learn how to adapt to God's ways and thoughts, not be dictated to by our own. If then you have been raised with Christ, has anybody here been raised with Christ? Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now notice, set your minds, set your minds, fix your minds, be fixated in your mind on things that are above, higher things, not on things that are on earth, lower things. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in in God. We're here to renew our minds. We're here to change the way we think. We're here to allow God to start thinking his thoughts through our thoughts. We want to see to it that we adapt to him, not make him adapt to us. We want to know how he thinks. And we want to know how he does things. As a matter of fact, have you ever heard the expression, you're so heavily minded, you're not any earthly good? Has anyone ever heard that expression? Well, did you know the opposite is true? We can be so earthly minded that we're no heavenly good. We can be so caught up in natural things, in carnal things, in fleshly things, and so preoccupied with those things that we miss out on the higher things of life. Jesus said, there's a higher life to gain and a lower life to lose. Or if you want the the lower life, then you'll lose the higher life. It's up to us to determine whether or not we're going to experience the higher life or the lower life. And that depends on mind renewal. We need to know the mind of God. We need to know how God thinks. You know, a lot of people suffer today from all kinds of uh, things like, say, low self-esteem. And maybe a victim's mentality. Things that are emotional and mental that hold them down and prevent them from experiencing the best that God has for them in life. The scriptures teach us that no matter who you are, you are so valuable. Your worth is, is beyond description. You've been purchased with blood, not silver, not gold. There's not enough silver and gold in the world or the universe to purchase your ransom. But Jesus saw you so valuable and so precious that he shed his precious blood for you. So that you could become a child of almighty God. That's your value. That's your worth. But when we see ourselves, do we see ourselves that way? A lot of people suffer from low self-esteem. And low self-worth, inferiority, complexes that they experience. But you see, God wants us to know, I don't want you to think like that about yourself. That's why people say, I'm so unworthy. You're not unworthy. God made you worthy. God took you from the miry clay and lifted you up. And not only did he raise you up out of that state of sin, but he raised you up and sat you, hallelujah, in Christ in heavenly places. He sees us so far differently than we see ourselves. It's, it's almost beyond our comprehension. We need to start seeing ourselves the way he sees us. Valuable, precious in his sight. He sees us as the apple of his eye. He sees us as something so worthy that he would send his son to bring us back to himself. And we need to see ourselves the way he sees us. He wants us to, start const- to constantly think about what he's done for us in Christ and who we are in Christ. Why? Because he wants us to be ambassadors for Christ upon the earth that represent him well. He wants us to tell people in the highway and byway of life 
how much God loves them and how much God cares about them. And no matter what they're going through, praise God, no matter how much pressure is upon their lives, that God sees it all. He's so concerned that he wants to help them. He wants to bless them. He wants to lift them up. How can we pass that on to somebody else if we can't believe it for ourselves? That's exactly how he views us. That's exactly how he sees us. He sees us as such that he has given us the title of ambassador. Someone that he trusts with the gospel message. To tell other people just how wonderful he is and how wonderful he thinks they are. What a powerful message that we could proclaim. And you know what? We're not to be passive about these things, the things that he has done for us. We should be so enthusiastic and excited about the things that he has done for us in Christ that we should think about them all the time. We should meditate about them all the time. We should consider them all the time. We should be so overwhelmed by the truth of God's word that it causes the statements that we hear in the natural world to be far beneath what God has spoken about us. And he has said some wonderful things about us. I have made you my righteousness. I've given you my life. He says, I've placed within you a deposit of my character, of my nature, of my ability. I've entrusted you with a name that's above every other name that you can use as you journey through this life, as you sojourn. I've given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. It all belongs to you. Be of good cheer, he said, little children. It's my pleasure to give you the kingdom. He has given us the keys to the kingdom, which means power and authority in this earth over all the power of the enemy. He's given us precious, precious promises, promises that are yea and amen in Christ. So all these things he's made deposits of in our lives, and it's up to us to embrace them, to think about them, and not let the enemy, let's say, occupy space in our minds about things that he wants us to think about ourselves. We've got to release those things. If we want to experience a higher plane in him, then we've got to elevate the way we think. Because as we think, so are we in this world. So start thinking of yourself as somebody special. Somebody that God loves deeply and dearly. And he has proven that love for you. He actually sings over us. He joys or rejoices over us with singing. Can you imagine anyone singing over you? Not the blues. But joyful songs. Amen. See, he's the glory and the what? Lifter of our heads. To lift us up to higher places, we have to elevate our soul and start thinking of ourselves the way he thinks of us and not the way we do. Okay, number three, our understanding. How important it is to have our understanding of spiritual truths elevated if we want to experience the higher things that God has for us in life. And one of those things would be spiritual laws and how they operate and how they work. I want you to go with me to the book of Genesis in chapter 1. And there's some things I want to share with you that are absolutely revolutionary. And if we'll just receive them and walk in the light of them, it'll make a tremendous difference. Matter of fact, people have experienced creative miracles just by this truth that you're about to hear in their lives. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light. And that it was what? Good. 
And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. All right. First of all, the environment is one of doom and gloom. It's one of chaos. Darkness is over the face of the earth. Waters cover the earth. It's almost as if the earth was judged. Regardless, we see a situation that is seemingly hopeless. It's a place that cannot be inhabited. Man cannot live or be sustained because of the condition. The darkness, the hopelessness, and the chaos that was there. It was in a chaotic state, as a matter of fact, some translations say. Well, what are we going to do to get lifted up out of that place? What's going to happen? What has to happen? Number one, in the beginning was who? God. It takes God. It takes God to lift us up out of where we're at. The hopelessness, the darkness, the despair, the doom, the gloom, the destruction, the fear, the anxiety, the worry. It may be all around us, like waters covering the earth, darkness covering the earth. So number one, it takes God. Number two, who was hovering over the face of the deep? The Spirit of God with creative, explosive powers and abilities was there. He was hovering over the face of the deep. Still nothing is happening. Thirdly, what happens? The word is spoken. And when the word is spoken, something takes place. Emerging from the darkness, the hopelessness, the despair of the situation, the chaos... What happens? God's creative powers are released or unleashed. And when they are the very first thing, notice this, the very first thing that happens is light comes. Now, I want you to think this through. Did you know that the fourth day is when the sun, moon, and the stars were created? The fourth day. This is the first day. And in your you can look it up in your own uh, commentaries in, in, in that. And you'll find out that this light was not referring to the sun, moon, or stars. This light was referring to the light of the presence and the majesty and the glory of God. That covered the earth to produce that light. You recall if you read the book of Revelation, what do you discover? That there will be no need for the sun, moon, or the stars. Why? For the light or the glory of God and those that are with him will light the whole place. True? So notice these four things that will enable us to experience a higher level in God. We need to know God. We need to know that the Spirit of God is right now in your situation hovering over your life or your situation. And he is waiting for you or for me to do what? Speak the word of God into that situation. Why? So his glory, so his manifested presence can make a difference in the situation. That's why. So the presence of God, the glorious power of God unleashed as the word is spoken is what makes reality in our lives. So whether it's a healing that we need, you can say it like this. God made a deposit of his creative 
healing powers in each and every one of us when we were born again. As a matter of fact, it says, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, then he that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken your what? Mortal body by his spirit that dwells in you. Too often we're trying to get something that we already have to manifest. We're asking God to give us something that he's already given us, not realizing that we already have it, and all we have to do is release it. So we could say it like this. I have the healing power of God in my spirit right now, and so do you. And what God is doing, he's waiting for us to do our part. Our part is to give voice to the word and declare or decree that the power that raised Jesus from the dead, the creative power of God that's dwelling in me, I release in the name of Jesus. See, the Holy Spirit's hovering right now over us. We've got it on the inside, but you need to get it to the outside. The way we get it to the outside is by declaring it and decreeing it. So you can say, rotator cuff, I speak creative power to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be healed and be whole in that mighty name of Jesus. And you're unleashing or releasing the miraculous power of God in that situation. And we need to learn or have better understanding as to how to operate in these principles and these laws there are spiritual laws like there are natural laws the sad part about it is the church has really failed when it comes to teaching and preaching spiritual laws that govern the spiritual world and as a result we're trying to get people to to do get God to do something he's already said he's done for them now when we first step into it we can learn these things because we're, we're just new at it we learn how to walk But we need to get to a place that we learn how to apply these principles of God's word in our lives so that we can receive the things that he has already provided for us. So God did his part when he sent Jesus to die for us. God did his part when he sent the Holy Ghost to what? To recreate our spirits. And when we got filled with the spirit, God did his part by making a deposit of his glory on the inside of us. So in actuality, we've already got within us those things that he's already given us that pertain to life and godliness. We have every promise, every statement of fact. Okay, we have that. But we need to learn how to release it. In the situations we encounter in life, and the more we learn and get an understanding of these spiritual laws and principles, then the higher we're going to climb in the things of God. See, the life of a Christian is a mountain climb. It's a mountain climb, for it says, come up to the hill of God, to the mount of God, the holy mount of God. And we may start down here, but we're climbing up. We came up out of the Maori clay, but we're climbing that mountain. We're learning. And the thing is, we should never get to a place that we stop learning and growing and moving forward and upward. God wants us to continue, not be a, a, a quitter and stop because, oh, here, I'm, I said, I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm going to go back down. The quitter. The camper is the one that goes a certain level up and says, I'm satisfied with where I'm at. I'm going to stay here. But the climber says, no, 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 no. There's a whole lot more in God. There's a whole lot more in God. Who could really have a desire to experience more of God than Paul the Apostle, who said that he was given revelations above measure? Remember, he was caught up to the third heaven. And he was told there were some things he saw that he can't even articulate. Remember he said that? But also he said this, I have not experienced the fullness of my redemption in Christ Jesus. I want to be filled with and full of the resurrection life of Almighty God. So if so possible, that my flesh will be consumed with the power and the glory of Almighty God. As I live my life in this mortal body upon the earth, just consumed with it. 
And I don't consider myself to have obtained that or achieved that, but I'm pressing toward that mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, my Lord. So in other words, God wants us to get to a place that we recognize there's a whole lot more to be had. We can experience a whole lot more. We can receive a whole lot more. We can walk in a higher level in the things of God. We should not settle for mediocrity. But praise God, make a decision that I want more of the reality of what God did for me in Christ manifested in and through my life. I want to achieve the fullness of what God has provided for me on Calvary. And if we'll do it, our part, and speak his word and release his creative powers and abilities, guess what? Victory will come to our lives. And we'll walk in the higher places. Praise God. Number four, our actions. We need to elevate in this area as well. Our focus, our thinking, our understanding, and there's a whole lot more to our understanding, but our actions. Our actions are important. Look at James chapter, oh, let's see, chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man, if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in the glass, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way. And straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. Now notice, this man he's talking about is someone who hears the word of God. So he's talking about really all of us here. We're all hearing the word of God. And as we hear the word of God, we've got to make a decision that we are going to do the word of God because just hearing the word of God is not sufficient or it's not enough. If we want to experience a higher place in God, we've got to hear the word and we've got to become doers of that word so that we can have the things that God has ordained for us. Now, we know the law of sowing and reaping. We're going to reap what we sow. If we reap to the flesh, we have the flesh reap crushed. If we leap, if we, if we sow to the spirit, then of the Spirit, we're going to reap life everlasting. So we need to learn to sow the seed of God's Word into our lives in such a way so that it can produce fruit in our lives, fruit that is spiritual and not just carnal or natural. Now, we're going to talk a couple of areas here. I know you'd love this to be true, ladies in particular. If you spoke to a mountain of laundry and said, Be thou clean, and be thou removed to the closets and dresser drawers, wouldn't you just love it if that occurred? Wouldn't that be great? Mm-hmm. If you saw after a Thanksgiving dinner, your house just filled with dishes, pots and pans and everything that you can imagine, and you can just stand there and say, be thou clean, and all the dishes would be instantly clean and be removed to the cupboards. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, that doesn't work. That's not how it works. Mm -mm. No. We need better understanding than that. You see, we have a part to play. Those dishes aren't going to get done unless you do them. And that laundry is not going to get done unless you do your part and you do them. So if you do your part, the job will get done. If you don't do your part, the job's not going to get done. The same thing is true with spiritual laws. I can speak to the mountain, but there's something else I need to do. If I don't do what I need to do, then the job's not going to get done. I need to speak God's word over a situation, but then I need to act out what I'm speaking 
you see, with my corresponding actions. If I don't correspond and act what I'm speaking, then it's not going to get done. So if we just sit back and just say, well, I believe my need is met, I believe my need is met, and then the next moment we walk away and, and then refute that or act like it's not working, well, we, we lack understanding in this area of operation when it comes to faith. God wants us to learn how to appropriate the law of faith in our lives in such a way so as to cooperate with him so he can take us to the higher places that he wants us to walk in. So we need to learn that we've got to do some cleaning ourselves, our laundry ourselves. So I want us to see some scriptures here that the Apostle Paul listed for us so we can learn how to clean house and do laundry. If you want to be elevated to higher places, are you ready for them? Colossians chapter 3. If we don't do our part, nothing's going to happen. How many, first of all, want elevated tonight to a higher place? Okay. So not only must we learn the principles, but look at this. We've got to do some house cleaning. Do you remember when Jesus came to the earth and the first thing he ever did was cleanse the temple at the beginning of his ministry? And at the end of his ministry, he cleansed the temple also before he went back to heaven? Right. So that should say something to us. Mortify, therefore, your members which were upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience. In the which you also walked some time when you lived in them. But now you also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Notice he said there's some house cleaning that needs to be done. And Paul makes this clear in all his epistles. In all these epistles, he talks about certain things that we need to get cleaned up from, get out of our lives. And the thing is this, we're not giving those lower things up for nothing. We're giving them up for higher things, greater things, better things, glorious things. So yes, we have the life of God on the inside of us. But how many of you know that we've got the devil, the word, and the flesh trying to keep us and the glory that's in us under a bushel so that we don't experience the greater things of God? Oh, he says, look, if you want more of God, you've got to clean house. Put a stop to some of these things. If you don't do the laundry, the laundry's not going to get done. If you don't do the dishes, if I don't do the dishes, it's not going to get done. If I don't make the bed, I could walk around the bed all I want and say, be made, be made, be made, be made, be made. It'll speak back to me and say, you the maid. You make the bed. I'll give you the power, the ability, but you make that bed. <laughs> Look in the book of uh, Ephesians, chapter 5. We see, once again, Paul reiterating the same thing. Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Now notice this. And walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saint, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So what's he saying? Those kinds of things can do what? Diminish the light of the glory of God. See, this flesh of ours acts like a bushel that keeps the glory of God in check. If we want to release it, then we've got to do something on our part to clean house, 
to make it possible for the glory to manifest through our renewed minds and to our physical bodies so our actions can line up with what's on the inside of us. And so if we want to rise to a higher place, then it's our responsibility to walk in the realm of love. Put down the deeds of the flesh. Look at the book of um, Galatians chapter 5, the same thing. He says to the people, This I say, then walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. For the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in the past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. So if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So we've got to make a decision to say, I'm going to clean house. Anybody good for a good spring cleaning? Clean house of certain things. And why am I bringing it out? Because we can get caught up in things that, you know, we just ignore. And we let them go on. And sometimes what we allow to happen in our lives is this is one of the areas that he talked about in Ephesians. He talked about foolish jesting and talking and all that. Evil speaking, vain speaking, foolish speaking. The sins of the tongue are the sum of the times we just think that, you know, they don't mean anything. If you see someone in some of these other sins like adultery, fornication, and drunkenness, and et cetera, et cetera. All of a sudden, people look down on that. But they could talk about people and have no remorse whatsoever, no consciousness whatsoever. But God is saying, look, start using your tongue as a tree of life. Start speaking some things that are good, things that are excellent, things that will promote the life of God, the power of God, the glory of God. Don't, get in, don't engage yourself in those kinds of things that will do what? That will nullify the flow of God's power, prevent it from going forth. If we want the words that we speak, like creative powers of God, I release you into my rotator cuff, into my knee, into whatever, into my vital organs. If we want those words to work, then we need to realize it's important to see to it that we keep this under control and tame it. So we're not speaking out or spewing out things that are destructive. Amen. So clean house. And then look at the next one. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let your neighbor. No. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You see, if we'll make a decision to do that, what are we doing? We're giving place to a greater manifestation of the glory and power of God. And we're allowing him to lift us up to higher places in him in which we can experience, praise God, this greater glory in our lives. But it's up to us to make that decision. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, can you throw up there Colossians chapter 1 and verses 9 and 10? Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 and 10. One of the most important cleansings to do in all of our lives is that of unbelief. 
it is so imperative that we recognize how detrimental unbelief is to the flow of God's divine power. It kept the people of God out of the promised land. It stopped them from experiencing the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ. Do you know what he promised them in the promised land? He promised them to take sickness and disease away from the midst of them, to bless their bread and water, and fulfill the number of their days. That's what he promised them in the promised land. Let's read this first. I'll, I'll comment. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do cease not to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Notice the expression spiritual understanding or understanding of spiritual things, laws and principles. Why? That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Notice he wants us to walk with an understanding of spiritual things, spiritual laws, and how they operate, function, how they work. Why? So that we can please him in all that we do. So if we want to be elevated, then we have to elevate in areas of our lives. In other words, lift up these things before, lift up our eyes, lift up the way we think. Lift up our actions. See, lift these things up before the Lord and let him know, I want more of you manifested in and through my life now these promises he's talking about the promise he said I'll take sickness and disease away from the midst of you I will take you to a land that flows with milk and honey it's a land of blessing beyond words notice he said it was a promise and a promise is something that God says yes to and has no right to say no to when he makes a promise he is responsible to keep the promise And in no way can he possibly change his mind. When he said, I will never destroy the earth by a flood ever again, he made a promise to Noah and mankind that he would never do that again. And every time you see the bow, the rainbow in the sky, you can say that no matter how strong God is, no matter how mighty God is, how powerful God is, what what ability that he has, he cannot and he will not destroy the earth by a flood ever again. He cannot and he will not. Why? He bound himself to his word, to his promise, to his covenant. And he cannot do it. Even in his sovereignty, he cannot do it. We need to take that same mentality and shift it over here in these other areas of promise. When God made promises like, I'll take sickness and disease away from the midst of you, he promised that in the promised land. That's why it's called the promised land. If they would have kept their part, if they would have done their part, God would have done his part. Can you imagine living in a place, Canaan's land, where sickness and disease cannot function, cannot operate? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to to have? Yeah. He promised them that. Also, he said, and you will fulfill the number of your days. You live out the full length of your days without sickness until you come home and be with me. Isn't that beautiful? Can he break that? Can he violate that? No, he has to bring it to pass because he made a promise. Well, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6 and verse 19, I believe it is, we are called the heirs of promise. The heirs of promise. He wanted us to know the heirs of promise, maybe 6, 17 through 19. The heirs of promise to know the immutability of his counsel, that if he said something, if he made a promise to us, he confirmed it by an oath, by an authoritative act, an indisputable fact that he 
cannot lie. He will not lie. He can't alter his word. He cannot change what he has spoken or what he said. We need to find every promise of God and say, if you said this, you promised this to me. And since we have these precious promises, cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Why? Because we don't want anything to interfere with the promise from coming to pass. What prevented the promise from coming to pass in the lives of the Israelites? Unbelief. They didn't cleanse themselves from the unbelief. And so God, who wanted to give them what? A place, a perfect place with no sickness, no disease, flowing with milk and honey. And if you never heard this said before, in that place, there were grapes. We're talking about grapes, clusters of grapes that were so huge and so big, a cluster that it took two men on a pole to put them on the pole, one on one end, one on the other, to carry them up out of Canaan's land to show the Israelites. This is what the land looks like. Can you imagine that? Huge clusters of grapes beyond words. But he said, that's my promise to you. They forfeited it. And did you know in Hebrews chapter 4 it says, but be warned lest a promise made to you of experiencing these things, you come short of it through the same unbelief. That's what he said. So we need to educate ourselves and renew our minds and get this understanding that God has given us the ability to trust him and believe that he will honor his word because he vowed a vow, made a promise that he cannot break and will not break. And if we will do our part, he will do his part. Amen. So when we start saying what the word says about us, he says, I'll watch over it and I will make it good because I can't lie. Hallelujah. So do we want to elevate? If we want to elevate, then praise God, let's lift up the way we look at things, the way we see things, our thinking, our actions, and lift up our understanding before the Lord. Amen. And let him know, I'm ready. I'm climbing the mountain all the way to the top. I'm not stopping halfway. I'm going all the way up. If Paul said there's more to have, there's more to have for me. Let's all stand together. Praise God before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God, toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. 
Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.